Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mindful You podcast, where we get to meet people, we get to talk to people, we get to have people share their experiences of mindfulness and the various paths that you can go in order to develop those mindfulness muscles. And in my 50, 60 years of experience, I can think of no better tool than the ability to go back to the center, back to the grounding by closing your eyes and meditating, stilling your mind. And today's guest, Tom Walters, has been in the mindfulness meditation stilling the mind business for a long, long time. He even described that his mother, when he was a child, would be talking about presence and stillness and deep breathing and meditation. And I said, wow, how lucky to have a mother, a primary programmer of your consciousness, to be right there at the beginning talking about mindfulness tools and mindfulness benefits. And today I'm happy to introduce Tom to you. And the podcast was so rich that we just kept on talking. So there's actually going to be two podcasts. Today you're going to be hearing part one of the Thomas Walters podcast. And later in the future, you will hear part two of the conversation that I had with Thomas. It was just wonderful. And I'm happy that we get to share him with you. And please welcome Thomas Walters to the Mindful You podcast. Tom Walters, welcome to the Mindful You podcast. Alan, I thank tell you. you, the thing that excites me about our conversation today, Tom, is that you and I are are integrating a conversation into our into our life. And the conversation that that you are a stand for and the conversation that I am a stand for is the is the absolute importance of taking time out every single day to become still to become quiet, to become, to discover that there's a space in which there's no agitation, smooth like water on a pond in the early morning, perfect reflection, no distortion. And the, the label that you use and the label that I use is meditation. So boy, oh boy, we're going to the candy store today, baby. And we're gonna we're gonna jump into meditation so we can inspire other people to take the time 
whether it's five minutes, whether it's a minute, just start just getting that routine in and then discover for yourself the richness of meditation. And I thought, Tom, it would be wonderful for you to introduce your spiritual self by taking us on a short meditation so we can feel it in our bodies and see what, what are you talking about, Tom and Alan, meditation? What, what's that? So I just, you know, get, get, give us a taste of, 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 the, of, of the honey. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your introduction. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. I am very excited to be here. To your point, uh, why don't we just start in with a nice, uh, chill, inward journey? And to do that, uh, obviously, if your listeners are in the car, don't do this. But if anybody's just sitting at their desk or at home, uh, why don't we just kind of find a nice, quiet space in our chair uh, with our feet flat on the floor. And then slowly just become aware of your breath. Nothing special that we have to do right now. Just become aware of all the sensations that come with our breath. Perhaps breathing in, we feel the coolness through our nose. Feel our chest rising and falling. Perhaps our abdomen as well. No need to change anything about your breath. Just become aware of it. And as you're settling into wherever you are, perhaps you place your hands in your lap or on your thighs. In a moment, we're going to take some nice, deep breaths. And for us, that means a nice in through the nose inhale for four seconds or a count of four. And we're going to hold it for a count of seven and then let it out slowly through our mouth for a count of eight. Why don't we do that together right now? In for four through our nose. Hold. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. And out through our mouth. Let's take another nice deep breath. If you haven't closed your eyes, that's definitely an option as well. In through our nose for a count of four. Hold. And slowly let it out. Let's take one last long deep breath, our best yet, in through our nose. Expanding that belly. Hold. And out through our mouth. And now let's just bring our attention back to the normal tempo of our breath. Feeling the chair underneath us. Our feet on the floor. Any thoughts happen to find their way into her mind? There's absolutely no reason to get upset. It's what a mind does. 
The mind creates thoughts. But if we find out that we have wandered, it's as simple as returning our attention back to our breath and all the sensations that are there. Taking any sounds that you hear. Maybe there's some smells. Nice. In a moment, I'm going to count back from five to one as our brief meditation ends. When we reach one, your eyes will be open, feeling totally refreshed, totally relaxed. Five. Four. Noticing the room, the room around you. Three. Almost there. Feeling totally relaxed, totally calm. Two. And one. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you, Brother Tom. I was that was very nice. Very, oh, very right back nice. at you. Uh, let's let's talk about the value of doing that exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, you want me to stop? You want me to close my eyes? You want me to breathe and notice my breath? And okay, yeah, okay, it was, it was pleasant. So. Let's talk about, yeah, okay, what's the value of brushing your teeth every day? You know, what's the value of preventative maintenance here? So what's the value of, of, of meditation? What does meditation do that I should devote more time of my busy, busy schedule uh, to, to allot a space in my daily routine to do this close my eyes, feet flat on the floor stuff? Well, that answer could take us days to talk about, but I will, uh, I will read his digest for it. And anybody that's uh, not our peers <laughs> might just say, what's a reader's digest, but getting to your point, um, the main benefits that I find for meditation practice is obviously there's a physiological, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later, but each day when we wake up, we think that we are in control of our thoughts. We think that we are running our own ship and you know we're doing all the things we want. But the, the long and short of it is that if we don't have a meditation practice or if we don't have a practice for turning inwardly, then we're not really in control of our day. We're just reacting to all the stimulus that's out there. And in 2023, there is a lot of stimulus out there. There's societal pressures. There's the, the thoughts, well-meaning or otherwise, of caregivers. And so we're not really steering our own ship. So we're just kind of re reacting, not responding, but reacting to all the things that happen in our day. And to that point, people think, oh, if a lot of good things happen in my day, it was a good day. Or if a lot of seemingly um, challenging things happen, ah, it was a rotten day. So people basically think that eh, my day is not my day. Uh, whatever happens, happens, and I'll just assess at the end. With a meditation practice, we can and do silence the world around us. We kind of put ourselves in a cocoon. So all the societal thoughts and pressures and media and caregivers, all the people that have thoughts about what we should do, who we should be, they're just out there. And in this cocoon of silence, you have an awareness of what really is important to you. 
not what society wants, not what your parents, your boyfriend, girlfriend want. It's what is meaningful for you. We turn inwardly, as you and I obviously know is so important. And we really understand that with that silence, we know what has meaning for us. And then when we wake up in the day uh, and then we kind of guide, not kind of, we guide our day. Uh, So if we get cut off in traffic, it's not just a reaction that we like, ah, that son of a gun. We're like, okay, I'm safe. I'm fine. Meditation gives us that, uh, that space to just be and not just bouncing around like a pinball in a machine. There's another reference for people that are uh, our age. <laughs> uh, so there's funny. the, yeah, exactly. Like pinball, huh? Well, yeah, I remember that. Okay, segue closed. But to my point, uh, it gives us the space to understand who we are, what has meaning for us. And it makes us uh, uh, just less reactive, more responsive and less reactive. So that's the long and short of it. Uh, that's definitely the short of it, because like I said, we could talk for hours, days about all the benefits of meditation. But, uh, well, I'll, I'll stop with that one. You said several magic words. Uh, and I just want to underline some of those magic words. Controlling the thoughts that you think. The thoughts, so so what's this, so why should I, uh, Tully and Deepak Chopra said 65 to 80,000 thoughts pass through the screen every day. Right. And 95 of those percent are the same thoughts you had yesterday. So like nothing new is happening here. Right. So in my, in my reality, the way that I understand it is that my thoughts paint the picture and my mind's eye. That's then projected out into the outer world. So what I see in my mind's eye, which I painted, all of a sudden appears to be the same in the outer world. So most people are trying to change the outer world in order to get happiness. But if you Mm -hmm. could change the picture that you paint by controlling the thoughts, which is the paint, the thought paint, then you can alter the 35 millimeter, which goes right along with the uh pinball machine the 35 <laughs> right. millimeter slide that you take the you take the flashlight and you shine it and it, it appears projected onto the big screen so mm. let's talk about the importance of managing thoughts which most people aren't even aware of that's a great point and uh wonderfully put because i i agree wholeheartedly and i love the fact that you made the connection that um peace and joy and anything we want has to come internally from inward. We can't be looking outwardly because inwardly stays the same. It's never going to change. Well, we we all change, obviously, but that change is something that we elicit. Uh, and so we can, for want of a better word, control that, but we can't control anything that's outside of us. Uh, so one of the things I talk about uh, on my show is what I call uh, situational neutrality. Uh, And it's a fancy way of uh, saying that anything that happens is absolutely neutral. And it's our thoughts that either paint the reality, just like you said, uh, to the negative or to the positive. Um, In fact, I don't have many examples right now, but um, the point I'm trying to make is that anything that happens to us, if we don't have a, practice to kind of sift it out and find out what's going to be serving for us, then the negativity, and this sounds a little pessimistic, but the negativity of the world is going to paint that picture for us, meaning that 
there is a negativity bias, meaning that if we don't do anything in our day, whether it be a meditation practice, exercise, Tai Chi, whatever, then our caveman brain, our reptilian brain is just going to be looking for all the things to be uh, aware of, things to be uh, to keep us safe. Like basically you wake up and you basically scan the scan your environment to say, OK, what's going to take me out? Uh, I need to be worried about that. I need to be worried about that. Oh, man, who's that guy? Who's that guy crossing the street? Why is he coming towards me? We have all these thoughts that are just coming at us, that negativity bias. So if we don't have anything to do it, that's what our day is going to be like. Just all these fears, worries that have been instilled in us since our caveman days, since the reptilian brain. But with a meditation practice, we can, getting back to that situational neutrality thing, we have that gap between stimulus and response before we see something to say, cool, I don't have to jump into fight or flight. I don't have to jump into fear. I can be here and I can see, cool. That guy or gal, like, oh, just a stranger. I'm like, oh, cool. They're smiling. Nice. We just become aware of the world around us. And to my point, any situation, then we can, with that silence, with that stillness, we can say, here's a situation. And maybe on the outside, it looks like a, a horrible situation. But with that quietness, we say, okay, if, I'm gonna, if I have this stillness, if I have this silence, I can strip away what my reactive mind is saying. And I can look at it. And I'm like, okay. I see that there's gold to be mined there. There's something to grow from. And we can just basically extract the things that are going to help us grow, help us learn, help us become more compassionate and better for the people around us. So um, that inner journey, uh, much to uh, what you so articulately said, allows us the, the, the thought paint. And I love that, by the way, <laughs> the thought paint to totally allow us to create a life that is vibrant and just worth living. Does that mean every day is going to be an absolute dream? No. But with a meditation practice, we don't get caught up into that 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 net of uh, emotional reactivity where it's like, oh my, I lost my job. This is the worst thing ever. I'm going to be under a bridge. I'm like, relax, relax. <laughs> don't buy into that. You can paint whatever picture you want. And with that uh, that stillness, you know not to jump into the situations that are going to just, just keep that that cataclysmic spiral going. So I hope that answered your question. It's a question that's been asked for thousands of years. So <laughs> and probably will be for a thousand more. <laughs> because what you're talking about is uh, thoughts are things. Mm, indeed. All right. Just like this coffee cup is the thing that exists within a space. So the thought is a metaphysical thing because you can't quite touch it, right. but son of a gun, it's there and it exists within that that space. And to me, if you can distinguish the thing, the thought that now appears in the space and then begin to make space more important than the thing in the space, well, how do you do that, Tom? <laughs> well, you do that by creating space. Right. Well, how do you create space? Well, you create space by closing your eyes, taking that breath, and slowing everything down. Absolutely. Absolutely slow down. And you can't do that driving a car. You can't do that skiing the slopes. Can't do that talking to you, Tom. Can't do that taking your work. Can't do it with my eyes open. And so first of all, Close your eyes. That would eliminate 
a huge amount of visual crap that, right. that you are seeing that is just contaminating things. Um, and and you 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 so one of the magic words is is controlling the thoughts through the power of observation. Mm. So let's talk about this observer witness part of our beingness, which is developed by using what I call the fifth element of space, earth, air, fire, water, and space, by practicing and creating space. How do you develop that? That Not even develop it. I know you're a, mo- a, a moosey guy, um, uh, and so am I. He is just, you want your head taken off? L- listen to him. He is just incredible. Right. Uh, and, and so he talks about the the erasing, the erasing of the thoughts. And most people get stuck on the content of the thought, good, bad, right thought. We're not talking here about the content of the thought. We're talking right. about your ability to manage thoughts, things, neutral thoughts. All the thoughts are neutral. They're not good thoughts, bad thoughts, right thoughts. That's what your mother told you. We're talking about neutrality here where everything just is. So let's let's take take us down that that path of neutrality, observation. Everything just is without judgment. Well, getting back to uh, the very base of our conversation is meditation. It kind of segues right into that because, excuse me, when we are meditating, and when you're meditating, your mind, depending on the day. I mean, I've been meditating for over 40 years. So, and there are still days that I sit on my, uh, <laughs> thank you, that I sit on my cushion and I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, what's for lunch today? Okay, dude, back to the breath, back to the breath. I'm like, oh, wow, that show was funny last night. Ugh, back to the breath, back to the breath. So the mind, even for an experienced meditator, is going to be, uh, is going to be active or less active. But to your point, Seeing thoughts uh, neutrally is what meditation is perfect for. And one of the things, one of the greatest lessons that I uh, teach my students is in the in the first uh, couple weeks of our of our training is that uh, many times that just like I said, you know, you sit down, you you quiet your mind, you close your eyes, you take those nice deep breaths, and then your mind wanders, and then you bring bring it back to your breath or your mantra, whatever it's going to be for that focus. And many of my new students get so frustrated because they're like, dude, is this what meditation is like? Every two seconds, I have to recognize a thought and bring my attention back to my breath. I'm like, that's so frustrating. I'm like, well, why don't we turn that on its head? Why don't you see it as a gift instead of a curse? Because before you started learning how to meditate, when did you realize that you were having thoughts in the day? And they kind of scratch their head for a minute and they're like, I I never noticed when I have thoughts in the day, they just come like, exactly, exactly. And to that point, you never knew where they're coming from, what, what the purpose was. You were just reacting to them with a meditation, instead of getting frustrated, about always having to bring back your focus. Every time that you notice your mind wandering, you should send off fireworks. You are noticing your mind. You are noticing thoughts. And to that point, because of our training, because of our practice, you're saying, this is a thought much like you so wonderfully put it's a thought. It's not negative. It's not positive. It's a thought. And because I have this stillness, because I have this silence, I can look at it. I'm like, cool. I don't need to react. It's just like like staring at a painting in a museum. Yep. You're like, wow, yep. God, that's beautiful. 
Yep. Good analogy, <laughs> Dom. Staring yeah. at a painting in the museum. Yes. Yeah. That painting that you painted. Yeah, that's a great point. And then Absolutely. you're judging the painting that you painted. Oh, that's bad. Good. I like that. Who the hell put that crap in the painting? I can't. I can't. Who? I want to know who around here put that stuff on that painting. We got to find that person, baby. And we got to do something because that person has issues. I, that's a great analogy. I love that one. No, that's awesome. I love how you brought that alive because that's exactly what our mind does outside of a meditation. Because in a meditation, we're like, cool, there's a painting. It's uh, got a, a gold frame and there's a tree, there's a bird, and we just look at it. But to the untrained uh, person, it's like, just like you said, like, who painted that? Look at those brushstrokes. They're all over the place. Why would you choose that color? And our mind is just like doing that same thing with a thought. I'm like, oh, 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 mm, mm. whereas with meditation practice, we just like, cool, there's a thought. The other day, uh, it's funny because one of the, uh, as a quick aside, the other day, one of the things that our meditation practice is good for is helping us identify thoughts and fears. I was working on something and I was about to start something that I'd never done before. I don't know if it was a marketing thing or whatever. And uh, I had this thought like, mm, God, this is, this is going to be tough. Are you sure you should tackle that right now? This is probably not something you're that good at. And because of my awareness, I'm like, hey, oh, look at you. Thanks for showing up. No, I got this, but I appreciate your uh, trying to trying to dissuade me. So we have that. Uh, and that's a, a somewhat uh, whimsical uh, take on how we can have interactions with our thoughts, how we can we because we have a meditation practice, we can see a thought as a thing and just say, huh, where did that come from? Like, oh, that's fear. That's ego trying to get me to a safe spot. Well, guess what? I'm all set. So um, see you later. <laughs> that interaction, that understanding of thoughts is just so powerful because um, what I talk about many times on uh, in my, with my students and on, on Zen commuter is that we have uh, a gap between stimulus and response. And when we ha don't have a practice, it's probably like you could fit a sheet of paper in between that gap between stimulus and response. Uh, and we just become so reactive, but, with anything that we increase that gap so that when something happens, we can, it's like much like that painting or like that amuse, uh, um, a movie, we just step back and we look at it. I'm like, huh, what do I want to do here? How do I want to respond? Do I want to respond? Maybe I just want to react. Maybe I just want to go with what I'm feeling, but we have that gap to determine what we want to do that gap to create our lives. And it's just so powerful as I'm sure you obviously know. You're, you're speaking to the choir. I'm still in the <laughs> museum using that analogy of the museum. And one of the ways that I would describe the benefit of meditation is that every time I meditate, I take one step further away from the painting. Mm. Mm. And every time I close my eyes and wake up during the day, I take one step away from the painting. And pretty soon, the painting, which is the thought that had such a gravitational effect on my behavior, because right. my mother told me this to be right. true. And, and pretty soon the painting is 300 yards down, down the road. Uh, and so it doesn't affect me. Um, I can enjoy the painting. I do a close-up of the painting. I can frame it. I can do anything I want with the painting. But the gravitational effect that the thought has on my behavior uh, is, is now I can choose between the, the, the egoic thoughts or the loving God thoughts. Uh, right. And boy, if, if I choose the loving God thoughts, then you and I are both sons of God having fun on the earth right now, entertaining our brothers and sisters on the spiritual benefits of meditation. And that's our journey. That's what we do. Um, and so journey. that is a, that therefore you would always paint the words that you speak and you'd always paint the thoughts that you think you'd have a choice. 
Well, how do you how do you get a choice? You got to get a choice between that space you talked about. There's the thing of the thought, and then there's the space. Most people have no space. Mm, exactly. Exactly. So, so take us down the. We'll jump into a little bit of the Buddhist thing, and the Buddhist talks about disembodied states of consciousness and embodied states of consciousness, which to me has to do with disembodied means you're playing with the thoughts and embodied means you're playing with the body. So, so let's take us down the another benefit of spending your life in the body rather than you're spending your life on the clouds. Well, one of the things that meditation is beneficial for uh, with that with that question is that uh, there are a lot of physiological things that happen in our body. Uh, we can we'll segue into Buddhism for a sec in a, in a bit, but just thinking about many times people think about meditation as being something totally like oh those monks in the Himalayas they they they're, they're meditators, but uh, all headed monks, right? <laughs> just gonna say I'm like hey, there's my brother. <laughs> Exactly. I never thought that uh, my shaving my head would be uh, uh, a choice that will serve me later on <laughs> in the future. People might think, oh, wow, that guy's kind of wise. I'm like, well, I've got he's he's got a bald head. He must be wise. But getting back to your question is that um, people see have the misperception that meditation is something for uh, for Buddhists, for monks, for clerics and way out there, not knowing that. Yeah, there could be that component. And when we have that stillness, we could bring it wherever we want. But the very nature of meditation is physiological. You know, in the exercise we just did uh, at the beginning of the uh, of our talk, taking those nice deep breaths, um, when we exactly, when we breathe deeply through our diaphragm, expanding our belly uh, and contracting, uh, there is a nerve that um, is attached to the diaphragm. It's called the vagus nerve. And basically when our body or our brain says, huh, that that stomach, that abdomen, that belly, whatever you want to call it, is expanding and contracting. That signal goes up to the brain to say, okay, you know what? We were all fired up in that fight or flight response, meaning that our heart rate was going, our breathing was labored, uh, blood was leaving our hands and our our feet and our fingers to go to major muscles so we can run and fight that tiger that uh, back in the day was there. So that's fight or flight. So if we have a fight or flight, then we must have something to counteract that. And that's exactly uh, the relaxation response. And kind of roundabout, when we take those nice deep breaths through our abdomen, uh, that that vagus nerve is triggered. So the brain says, okay, if he or she is breathing like this, there's no tiger. There's no guy with a gun or a girl with a gun. It's just, they must be in that chill space. So I don't have to be all ramped up anymore. Let me fire up the relaxation response. So then the heart starts slowing down. Then our la our breathing becomes less labored. Uh, we get blood back in our, our fingers and toes. And the reason this is so important is that Back in the caveman days, it was very clear what was a danger. Like, hey, there's a tiger right at the mouth of the cave. Oh, my God. So now, so then you, that fight or flight ramped up. But as we evolved, <laughs> uh, we became aware or more things were put in our, um, in our lives that may be a danger or may not. So the point or the example I always get is that suppose you're at work. And your boss zips you off an email. Hey, uh, I want to get together today and talk about some stuff. Your brain could start saying, oh, God. Oh, God. What do they want? Uh, oh, did I screw up on that project? 
Oh, man. So that innocuous email then becomes a tiger at your cave door and your stress response just gets staying ramped up and ramped up. Great analogies. The, the tiger or the email becomes the tiger at your at what door was it again? What's that? The tiger at the cave at the cave the door. Cave door at right? the cave door. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's great. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and that's just one example. So, if we have, if we don't have the ability to suss out what is and what isn't, then literally everything becomes a stress response, or everything becomes an impetus for a stress response, and then we're just stressed all the time. And because that stress is happening all the time, then we become. Uh, we have the misperception that that is normal, that I'm like, oh, no, I'm not stressed. Uh, but your body's saying, the hell you aren't. <laughs> like, you may have normalized this, but no, I'm reacting like everything you see, everything you're feeding me is a danger. So with that stress response going all throughout our days, then obviously that's going to wreak havoc with our bodies because our uh, the fight or flight is always only supposed to be like run or fight the tiger. And then, oh, okay, cool, ramp down. But if it stays ramped up, we just rip through our body like a hot knife through butter. So we have the ability with a meditation practice to kind of to find that gap that we were just talking about and just kind of see what is what is real or create the perception of what we want to be real. I think and maybe we'll save that. for <laughs> We'll save that for another talk. Uh, but so uh, so obviously meditation Buddhism been around over twenty five hundred years. So um, it's amazing. And not amazing that a practice has lasted that long because there are so many benefits. Um, one of the other benefits in relation to your question is that when we have uh, a meditation practice, there's just such a calm that comes from connection. We are constantly, much like I was talking about earlier, uh, inundated with societal thoughts. And one of the hugest thoughts is that we are all separate, that you are Alan, I am Tom, you're there, I'm here. We are two separate people just going about this earth. And the Buddhists believe that when we have that meditative uh, practice, when we have those moments of stillness, we connect to that oneness that we, that bubble that I was talking about before when society says, oh, there are 8 billion people on the planet. No, there's one entity on this planet. When we have that stillness, then we shut out all those things that say you're separate, you're alone, you are, it's just you. And then we feel that all life, and it's just so palpable. And it happens many times in my meditation. And uh, one of the things I talk about, whether it be literal, uh, like depression or loneliness or anxiety, we when we get in those spaces, we're like, it's just me. And it's really tough. I'm just one person and nobody knows what I'm going through. And the whole world is out there and I'm just suffering. But when we have a meditation practice, we realize that there's a connection and that connection, it's not tangible, but it's just so wonderful to know that with a meditation practice, like regardless of what you're going through, whether you can quote tame your thoughts or not, you're not alone. When you have a meditation practice, you just feel such connection. And even in the most um, surreal meditations that I've had, when I thought about it, I'm like, I am one guy in a park on a bench meditating and there's an entire universe. I am so small. And yet in my meditation, that's the exact opposite that I feel. I'm like, I am one grain of sand on a beach, but I am absolutely 
one of the most, not just one of, but just I am pivotal in this beach. If I didn't exist, this beach wouldn't exist. And to that point is when we have that meditation practice, like there's just such a calm and there's just such a, um, a joy that comes from knowing I'm like, man, I am part of something really amazing. And because we have that practice, we are shielding ourselves from all the things say, what are you crazy? You're one guy. And I'm <laughs> like, so, uh, from a Buddhist standpoint, obviously our meditation practice fosters compassion, fosters connection, uh, fosters universal love. And to be honest, that's, uh, there's, doesn't get better than that for me, <laughs> which is why I do what I do. <laughs> do you find the same to be the case for you? Uh, uh, Buddhism is uh, of the different religions I've tasted. Uh, it tastes the sweetest mm. uh, because it talks about the illusion of separation. Uh, and so what does that mean? Well, that means they ask the question, well, what do you mean? We're connected somehow? Uh, but I don't, that's not my experience. Uh, right. And then that gets you into the ego being conversation. So the ego is the one that doesn't experience the connection and the being is the one that experiences connecting. Well, how do you exactly. build the bridge between this egoic judgment identity and this spiritual being identity? Uh, and, and one of the greatest teachers uh, that I'd like to talk about now is uh, Mr. Mucci, because uh, I saw on your Instagram, you had a picture of him. Uh, and I thought that, well, you had a picture of Mucci. That's a, that's a divine person I'm talking to, because uh, you don't <laughs> see a lot of people with, with pictures of Mucci on, 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 your, on their Instagram until you hear him speak. Mm. And then you hear him speak, you want a picture. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, how long have you listened to Muchi? Uh, relatively uh, recently. In fact, to be honest with you, I, I came across it and just uh, started delving into uh, into the, the thoughts and beliefs of uh, of the of of Muchi and what it really meant. Uh, and it's just, I mean, the thing that's so awesome about meditation as well, just as a segue real quickly, is that. Take your time. Take your time. Take a breath. You know, we're all OK. <laughs> <laughs> There's no rush here. No <laughs> rush. Let, let the horses calm down. Take the breath. Settle down. <laughs> settle down. That. That's it. There the teacher's go. becoming a student. The big I like breath, that. Tom. Take the big breath. There you go. There you go. OK. Get those horses all lined up. <laughs> talking about a divine being he, he he deserves a few seconds of stillness <laughs> right right exactly but as a as a as a quick aside that when we have that awareness when we have that stillness it trans it makes its way into our uh our our daily life mm -hmm. and the things uh that seem just like just like fleeting by you're like oh oh so when there are things uh, like Muchi, like quotes, like anything, uh, it's like we become aware of them because we're slower. Like instead of the world going like this, it's like, oh, wow. Hey, that's neat. Cool. So, yeah, to be honest, I, I recently just found out uh, about Muchi. Well, What's your experience been? He says the same thing again and again and again and again and again. It doesn't change the music. Every time matter. you listen to the YouTube, it's the same song. Right. But it's all new. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, it, it's, uh, it's a song of stillness. Mm. It's the song of 
the idea that the thoughts are the clouds in the sky and you are not the clouds. The clouds are impermanent. They're passing by. They're all the, the things. And then you begin to look for blue sky and you create more blue sky and more blue sky. And, and the, 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 the revelation that came to me when I listened to what he had to say, he, he, he talked about taking all the thoughts of the future all those thoughts you have, and just just for a second, just put them over to the side, and now take all the thoughts of the past—memories, experiences, judgments. Everything. Just, just take all those thoughts and put them just for a second, just for a second, just for a second, and let's just take a look at what's left. And then you discover that every thought that you think or see or feel is either falls into one or two categories. And when you can just for just pretending, of course, we're just pretending. Uh, <laughs> the the empty space and he spends 20 minutes asking questions about the empty space mm. what's the shape of the empty space well it doesn't really have a shape um, right. what's the opinion of the empty space well it doesn't have an opinion it's just it just is i mean you realize that your your vision has been contaminated by the thoughts that you're thinking that you're not even consciously aware of until right. you, until you get that space and then you realize oh it's just a painting that i'm painting yeah, that is that, that revelation of the distinction that wait a minute, I can create a blank space in my reality if I can just manage my thoughts, which is where we started our conversation when I asked right. you the benefit of meditation, and mm. you said that the ability to control our thoughts mm. uh, and and are the ability to, in my world to to become a a a, a master painter. And so, <laughs> I like so, that. So you only paint you you only paint pictures of love and divinity, compassion and love. And so I want to thank you for for inspiring our audience today and and inspiring me so that I can feel the energy within me. Uh, you know, it's like riding the rapids a little faster than the, the, it's like level five downhill uh, uh, rapids rather than easy. Uh, I really enjoyed the the bouncing, the back and the forth. Of our of our of our conversation because as well. you say the same words you 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 have experienced the, the, the you've tasted the same stuff uh, and and you articulate it with words that yeah I understand those words those those take some time to understand though but I understand some of those words you're talking about right right well it, it has been an absolute joy to be sharing this time with you as well because it's. Uh, I love talking, obviously, with kindred souls, uh, and it was so nice to have you on Zen Commuter, and I'm, I'm so glad that we got to continue our conversation as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And to that point, uh, you give me so many things to think about as well. And it's funny because uh, it's the same thing that we're tasting, but we're tasting it in two different ways. And that's what's so wonderful about meditation is that we get to experience things uh how we choose to experience them, but with the paint, the, the metaphor that we're using so often, but so uh, accurately and aptly that life isn't challenging. I mean, yeah, there are going to be times where you're like, oh man, this sucks, but you know what? Throw a label of suck on it. And that's how it's going to be forever. Extract that. Know that you can create anything. And it's just, I, I have such a gift in the, in my mom. Uh, my mom taught me how to meditate when I was 18. So, um, 
and she was a pioneer way before like she, the things that you and I are talking about now, the things that we hear in, in our circles, she was talking about in 1982 when I was uh, in high school. And I remember just so many times I'm like, uh, she taught me how to meditate, but I mean, she'd say so many things. I'm just like, and she wasn't a drinker. I'm like, have you been drinking? I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and now the very things that she used to, that had me scratching my head when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, thanks for being patient, mom. I get it now. <laughs> she was planting all these seeds. And with the, the major seed that she planted was that very thing that you create your own reality. She's like, you want to change your world? Change your thoughts. Change one thought can create an entire different reality. And like I said, when I was younger, I'm like, woof, you were out there, sister. I don't know what you're on. <laughs> but is the greatest gift that she has ever given me. And she's given me plenty different things about, you know, teaching meditation and just different ways of being in the world. But just the understanding that you don't have to buy into anybody else's reality about what life is. You can create your reality for what life is. And with a meditation practice, there might be people saying either you're crazy or like, dude, you can't do that. Or what about this? What about that? Do you live in a, under a rock? There's war, there's famine, there's disease. I'm like, yeah, it's out there, but it's not in here. I can be the best person that I can be. And I can change those things either literally by deciding to change those things or by resonating an energy that is love and kindness and compassion. And every time I sit down, every time you sit down, that is exactly what we do. We change the energy of the world. And that's why for me, meditation is so important because I mean, I'm not a, everybody's got their own path, but the more people that learn how to create their world that come from a place of love and compassion and stillness, like that's how the world changes. Yeah. There are things we can do on a quote physical level, but it's just as equally powerful, if not more so, to be on your cushion. Imagine if the entire world meditated for 15 minutes. The world would change. It would change. It would become imperceivable to what the world is now. And not that the world now is anything other than perfect as well, but there's just a union, there's a stillness, and there's just such an energy that is uh, that emanates from each of us when we control our thoughts, control our energy, control our minds, and just come from a place of love and compassion. Ooh. Isn't that sweet? Wow. <laughs> what a what a nice way to complete our, our first, I hope, of more podcasts. I would love that as well. You are definitely always welcome on Zen Commuter, for sure. And so I want to thank you, Tom, Tom Walters, for being a, a spark of light uh, and making the paint of illumination even better. Uh, and allow the divine light of what we're talking about to shine brightly in, in people's lives by taking a time out each day to create that space of stillness. So thank you for being a, a champion of stillness. Well, thank you right back for the exact same thing. I love it. Like I said, I love it when I get to talk to uh, kindred souls and kindred spirits that uh, are doing the exact same thing. So I appreciate this opportunity. I'm glad for all the work that you're doing as well. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Until, un until next time. Take care, my friend. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.